Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today we are celebrating Memorial Day with a message by Pastor CJ called, What is Your Memorial? Memorials are memories of our great achievements and accomplishments. They are also landmarks to remind us of the faithfulness of God and of the good things in our lives. God has given you memorials. Do you remember them? Now is the time to praise Him for all He has done. We hope you enjoy this message. Now let's show them our appreciation. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. How many know God is good? Amen. Thank you. I I, uh, so appreciate these men and women who have fought for our freedom and those who have given their lives for us today. It is so exciting to see that we have freedom spiritually. He that the sun sets free is what? Free indeed, and because of that, we're free. But how many know we're free in our country because of men and women just like those that came forward and those who sacrificed their lives? And I thank God for those. Amen. Take out your sermon notes. Let's get right into the Word today. I want to get you out early. I know that's a miracle, but I want to get you out early so that you can go celebrate with your family and friends. I have my my kids at, at the cabin right now, and um, they're eager to go out on the boat. Amen. And so we're ready to go do that. And I'm, I pray that you have a great Memorial Weekend. I pray that you have fun with your family and friends, people that you uh, maybe haven't seen in a while that you can get reacquainted with and just have a great time. Uh, you know, like I said, I am so grateful for every man and women that have given their lives. But you know what? I thought about this in preparing this message today. I thought about the fact that when men and women enlist in the service of any type, whether it be Marines, Air Force, Navy, Army, Coast Guard, whatever the case may be, do you know that every man and every woman, when they enlist into the service, they sign a blank check? Think about that. They sign a blank check. In other words, they sign a blank check saying that I'm going to give whatever it takes for freedom for our country. And some even signed the blank check that it gave their lives in that blank check. And so I am so grateful for the opportunity today to stand in this pulpit and say thank you to all the vets and all those people that have gone before us to make us free today. That is something that I am so grateful for. Amen. And so today I want to talk to you about what is your memorial. I want to flip the switch a little bit. Normally we talk about all the memorials of the veterans and we're going to talk about that. Yes, but I want to incorporate your memorials and what God maybe has done in your life. How many of you know that sometimes we forget the good things that God has done in our lives? And memorials are a reflection of going back to what God has done in our lives to remind us what he did back then. He can do it again today. Amen? And so a memorial. If you have your sermon notes, you can follow along. When I think of a memorial, you think about great achievements or accomplishments. How many know that's true? Uh, you think about great achievements or accomplishments maybe that have taken place in your life. And you look about all the great achievements and accomplishments that men and women have done. Cheryl and I had the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. in our Siren High School. They're going to Washington coming up here. And I'll let you know that you, your church, we're able to sponsor a couple kids. We were able to help out a couple kids to be able to send them to Washington. And so I want you to know that your faithfulness has allowed two kids to be able to go to Washington because of what you do. And so you don't know that, but I want to let you know that this is what we do. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. 
This is what you do. And we helped two kids to go to Washington. But while Cheryl and I were in Washington, we had the opportunity to go to the Vietnam Wall. We went to the, the uh, Arlington Cemetery there. It was amazing. Every minute it seemed like they have people going in and out. They have the trumpets blowing, the salute going. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, caskets uh, carrying uh, by horses. And it was really awesome. It was a great feeling. All kinds of mixed emotions about the cemeteries there and reading all the plaques about people who have surrendered their lives and gave their lives for, for our sake. And man, it was a lot of emotions that were up and down and just really made us appreciate our country. And sometimes we take for granted the freedom that we have in our country. You know, you and I, we can get up every morning, we can get ready for work, and we can get ready to do what we're going to do for the day. And we sometimes take that for granted. And I've been in some foreign countries and some other places where they don't have the freedom or the liberty to do the things that we have. But it's because of the servicemen and women that went out and fought for our freedom, we can do what we do today. And that's also getting with our family and friends. Amen? Isn't that exciting that we can be able to do that? But when Cheryl and I went there, we, we, we had those mixed emotions. But I, I, I thought about Memorial Weekend, and I thought some fun facts about Memorial Weekend. Here's a couple of them. I want you to read them to you. In 1924, faced by a shortage of poppy seeds, I want you to do this, faced by a shortage of poppy seeds, the first artificial poppy factory was opened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It employed out-of-work veterans. In other words, they ran out of poppy seeds, and so they had to come up with a false or a fake or an imitation of a poppy seed. I thought this one was cool. One long-standing Memorial Day tradition is to what? To honor the veterans and troops to have a picnic on the grounds of the military cemetery. Did you know that? That right now, right now as we speak, and they're having uh, picnics on the grounds of the military cemeteries. Another one is this. Hamburgers are the most popular food to grill. 87% followed by steak, 83%, chicken, 78%, and lastly, hot dogs at 76%. Amen? Amen. Somebody say, I want that steak, all right? Yeah. Amen. Check this out. I never knew this fact. Maybe you did. Maybe you're smarter than I am. Only 80, now get this, only 81% of U.S. households own grills. 81%. It says, I guess the other 19 are guests at the house for your weekend. Amen? <laughs> I didn't know that. Only 81% of the people own grills. I don't know about you, but maybe those must be the people in apartments or something. I don't know. I love this. The top, now let me ask you a question. What do you think the top cookout day is for holidays? When? Who said 4th of July? 4th of July? Yep. Listen to this. The top day for cookouts is actually 4th of July. Memorial Day comes in at 2nd, and Labor Day rounds it out at 3rd. Amen? And so I thought that was kind of cool. But when you think about memorials, a lot of times people think, well, Pastor, I don't have a memorial that's in my life that's good. You see, memorials stand for something of achievements or accomplishments or greatness that's happened in your life. And sometimes we forget that we have memorials in our lives. And God created memorials in our lives that we can reflect back at them to remind us, if I did it back then, I can do it again today. And so I see a lot of times over and over again, I see people over and over again that have problems in their life, and they get caught up so much in their mess. And because they're caught up so much in their mess, they get their eyes off the good things that have happened in 
their life. They get their eyes off the good things and they get all on the negative. And how many of you know that when you get on the negative things of life, it'll bring you down. It will zap your energy. It will steal from you. It will take from you. But when you look at the positive things in your life, it lifts you up. Like I always say, when you're happy, you sing a happy tune. When you're sad, you sing the blues, right? Isn't that correct? But what happens is a lot of times we have memorials in our lives that we sometimes forget and we take them for granted because we're so caught up with the storms and pressures of life. But if you have your summer notes, you will see there, we have memorials in our lives when we don't think we do. And here are some of the memorials that you have. Do you remember the day when you got married? How many remember that day? I know that Stephen and, and Allie are going to remember that day when they get married, right? I remember that day when I got married, August 15, 38 years coming up, August 15th. I remember that day. I remember when my wife was coming down the aisle, and I'm standing here, and I'm blubbering, and I'm crying, man, and I'm just, oh, man, okay, and I'm just freaking out. I'll never forget that day. How many of you ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Amen. Come on. Amen. Now, how many remember the Dumb and Dumber when the guy wears that blue suit? That was my wedding. Amen. We had that bright blue suit, man. Guys had to wear sunglasses because it was so bright. But that was back in the day, and they was in, right? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. That color was in. Now today it's the grays, the blacks, the browns, right? But that color was really in. So Stephen... You and Allie better get that color. And then I'll call you dumb, and I'll call your groomsman dumber because she's smart. Amen. But, hey, man, how many remember? You remember that day. It's a mile marker. It's a win. It's a monument. It's a memorial that I remember when I got married. But how many remember this? Do you remember your first child when he was born? How many remember that day? I know. I, hey, I'm not kidding. This is a true story. When my son was born, I'm not exaggerating by any stretch of the imagination. When my son was born, I was out with my mother-in-law and father-in-law. True story. I kid you not. I was out with my father-in-law and mother-in-law, right? And we went to Perkins on Lake Street. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm telling you, if you've ever gone down to Lake Street, there's a lot of woo-woo's kind of people, all right? And so it's full of woo-woo's, you know, if you get my drift, right? And so they have a lot of security guards at the door. And so I go in, it's my mother-in-law, father-in-law, and me, the three of us, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, he was with us, right? And so I go in, and I'm so excited about my son being born. True story, Becky, true story. I'm so excited that my son was born that I literally got on top of the table, and I started doing this. I got a boy! And I'm stamping on the table, and the whole place, whoo! You should have seen, they were freaking out. Some of the drag queens were losing their wigs, right? And I'm not kidding, it was hilarious, it was funny. But what happened was, the security guards ran to me, and they wanted to throw me in a padded room. But I'll never forget that day. It was December 30th. And I'll never forget, that was a memorial that, man, he is my DNA. He is my flesh and my flesh and bone of my bone, that that is my son. That is my son, Richard James Johnson. Man, I am so excited. That is a memorial. And every time that he has a birthday, I reflect back to the time standing on that table. Man, I got a boy. And seeing those security guards, their eyes were as big as baseballs, like, who is this wacko? They must have thought I was smoking wacky tobacco, right? How many remember this? Do you remember your first victory? 
Maybe when in basketball or maybe some kind of achievement in your life, you remember that first victory or maybe some big accomplishment you were in or competition you were in and you won that competition. Do you remember that time? I remember when I was youth pastor and I would always go to the 4-H competitions from state fair or the county fairs and they would lead up to the state fair. How many have ever been in that? You know what I'm talking about? And you've been in those things, and maybe you won summer, and, you, and it wasn't it a great feeling because you beat all, maybe all the other competitors, and maybe all the maybe animals, maybe you showed a pig or a cow or a horse, and you won that competition, and it made you proud. I remember when I was uh, playing basketball, I had a lot of trophies, and I used to have all these trophies, and they started out small because I was a small fry, right? Small fry, small small trophy. But then when you get older and competition gets great your trophy gets bigger. So it kind of looked like a, stair, a staircase. My trophies started out small, and they led to big. And what happened was every time when I would have maybe a slump in my season and I couldn't shoot or whatever, I would go back and I would look at those trophies to remind myself, hey, CJ, you got the talent, you got the ability, knock it off, get, get out of this slump, get your concentration back, get your, 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 your confidence back, and start going again. And so I would always reflect back to that trophy. And now today, guess what? They got thrown in the garbage can, amen, because I left them at a church and they threw them away, right? But you know what? How many remember the day maybe when you got healed? Maybe when you got healed. That's a memorial that God has done in your life, that God is the God that healeth thee, that he heals you, that you can go back to that that place in your life, that point of reference that, God, I was sick on this day at such and such a time, but, God, you showed your faithfulness, and you healed me. You touched my body from the crowns of my head to the soles of my feet. You touched me right? These are memorials. And sometimes in our lives, we get so caught up with all the muck and the mire and the mess that we go through in life that we forget about the simplest things in life, that we forget about the anniversary day. We forget about our birthdays. We forget about our child being born. We forget about the great accomplishments. But how many remember this one? Do you remember your first car? Come on. I mean, now us older guys, how many remember American Motors? Yeah. Amen? American Motors. You young people are like, what is that? It's not a foreign car. It was made in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Believe me, I lived in Racine. I used to go to Kenosha and watch them and see the factory there, but the factory's tore down now. But they made a car, and if you guys remember this, Bob, you're a mechanic. They made a car called the Chrysler Ambassador. How many remember that one? I had one, and I kid you not, I promise you, it was pea green. I'm not exaggerating. It was the most ugliest car you ever saw in your life. I'm not kidding you. I look like the hippies, right? And so, I, but when I got that car, I was so proud of it. I mean, to tell you, my father and I went and picked it up, got it off the lot. I was proud. It had one of those portable air conditioners that you put under the dash. You don't have the air conditioner like you have now. And it took half the dash on the, on the passenger side. Remember what I'm talking about? Those big black things, little portable air conditioners, almost like the ones you put in the window. And so I had this car, and I was so proud of that car until, until one of my friends saw it. And all it took is for one of my friends to say, CJ, what the world is that? And I said, what are you talking about? That's the ugliest car I ever saw. You know what I did? 
I went to a Catholic private high school, and because of that, I went with all the people that were doctors and lawyers' kids, and they drove BMWs and Mercedes. So guess what happened? That deflated me on my car, right? So guess what I did? For the next couple years before I got my new car, I'd park that car two blocks away, <laughs> and I'd walk the rest. How'd you get to school? Oh, I drove, but then I walked. Well, where's your car? I don't know. My mom picked it up. She needed to use it. But I was, man, I was afraid of that car. But I remember that car. It was a Chrysler Ambassador. And I remember what happened to it. I blew a stop sign and smashed it all to pieces. Thank you, Jesus. I was able to get a better car. Amen. So it worked out for the good. But memorials. Memorials are landmarks to remind us. Now, get this. To remind us of the faithfulness of God and the good things in our lives. That's what memorials are. They're to remind us of the faithfulness of God and the good things in our lives. Can I ask you a question? Why is it that we can have so many good things happen in our lives? Man, from having a child born to maybe getting a new job, to getting a new car, to maybe getting married, whatever the case may be. But why is it we can have all these good things happen but we always seem to focus on the one negative thing. You see, God puts memorials in our lives to remind us, listen, when you're going through the hard times of life, sometimes you need to revert back to those things to get you back on focus again, to get you back on course again. Because what happens is the enemy loves to come and have you a broken focus. And when you're in broken focus, everything becomes a blur. Everything becomes distorted. And what happens is the enemy loves to distort things in your life so that why? You walk in a spirit of confusion. You're walking in a spirit of amaze. You're walking in the spirit of just man, discombobulated. And that's how the enemy loves for you to walk. But God says, listen, I place the memorials in your life so that you can resort back to them and focus again Focus the binoculars or your eyesight for what a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. What a man sees all of a sudden goes from your eyes to your heart, and then out of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. So what you're seeing, are you seeing clearly? Maybe some of you need to wash your windows because your windows are dirty, and you're not seeing clear on the other side. And God says, listen, I place memorials in your life to remind you that, listen, these are good things to keep you going when you're going through the hard times. I love what it says in Joshua. Joshua chapter 3, it's a great story. And I love Joshua because there are a lot of many victories in Joshua. We all know the story about how the wall, they shouted and the walls came down. But do you remember this story? And a lot of times, this story was a catapult or a, a, a lily pad that led them to the bigger story. The bigger story is when they came to the place of shouting down the walls of Jericho. But and God mysteriously does things that happens to make you get bigger for the bigger, get you prepared for the bigger ones. And this event sometimes gets overlooked because we always go to Joshua chapter 6 where it talks about the walls of Jericho falling down. But we forget about this one. And this story leads up to Joshua 6. And this story is to remind the Israelites, Joshua and his army, that I was faithful then. Now you can take on this bigger giant. And sometimes little things lead to big things. And what God was doing, he says this, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark 
reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, what happened? The water from upstream stopped flowing. Now, if you are anything like me, there's two incidents in the Word of God that it talks about where God stops the flow of the water. The first one, we all know miraculously the story of what? Pharaoh and his army coming against Moses and his army, and God did what? He parted the Red Sea. How many need a Red Sea parting in your life? Maybe you need a miracle in your life. Maybe you need a situation in your life to change, and you need God to come in, and God can do that in a twinkling of an eye. So here is the same story, but yet a smaller arena. It was a river where that was a Red Sea. And God shows his power, and he shows his strength to encourage you. Now, if you're anything like me, water is, is man, powerful. How I many you know what I'm talking about? I was just recently in Cancun over October. My nephew got married, and so we all flew out there. It was a destination wedding. And we went to Cancun, and while we were there, uh, we, we got there, and we were standing on the shore there by the ocean, and we were taking all kinds of pictures. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean. Hey, just to put it on Facebook and say, look at me, Sandra D., don't be jealous of me, but I'm at Cancun, Mexico. Check me out, right? And so we're taking all these pictures, and my nephew, he, he's 6'6", he's in, in shape, he's strong, you know, he had his back to the water, right? And so here he is, he's posing with him and his girlfriend, well, his wife now, he was posing, right? He was being a poser. I see your pin shot, right? And he's up there, and he's posing, and we're taking a picture, and we're not even paying attention to the water, right? And all of a sudden, the waves came in. <laughs> And guess what happened? My nephew, face planted, wham. I mean, boom, and he's 6'6", he's strong, and we're cracking up. I wish I had a video, because when he got up, his face was covered. I mean, he looked like a piece of sandpaper. What's up, Grant? <laughs> he says, man, you know, but the power or the force of the water was so strong that here Grant is 6'6", and it totally knocked him over. And his, his wife, Lizzie's laughing. You know, she's cracking up. Ah, oh, Grant, look at you. Look, you think you're big and bad. That water got you. So you can see the force of the water, right? And here God took something that was so powerful. And watch what he said. The water from upstream stopped flowing. In other words, here was this mighty force. If you've ever seen hurricanes, what happens? They destroy. They just, man, demoralize everything. And all of a sudden, this great force, God, stopped. And if you're anything like me, I, I love going to the rivers. And when I lived in Wisconsin, I lived in Merrill, Wisconsin, and they had the river there, Wisconsin River there, and they had these big turbines. And they would create electricity from these turbines by the force of the water. And the faster the water flowed, obviously the faster the turbines spun. And when the turbines spun, what it was doing is creating electricity. But then the slower it was, the slower, obviously, the turbines would go. My point is, there is great force there, Everett. And with God, God, if you have your notes, I love this. And on your notes, it says these words. It says this, the bigger the problem, the bigger the problem the bigger the miracle. Get that. The bigger the problem, the bigger the miracle. God took something so big, and he turned it into a miracle. You know why God does that? 
because God wanted all the glory. If something was so small that you can manage it and take care of it yourself, maybe you're short on money and you need a man to come up with this or that and the other thing, you can go maybe reach out to your friend or maybe take on a second job and you can make it happen. But then guess what? You would say that God did this. No, you actually did it. But God takes something so big and turns it into a miracle so that nobody else could take the credit for it. You see, God doesn't want anybody else getting the glory. When God does something, he wants to show his great faithfulness to you. So maybe you're in a situation in your life. Maybe you're going through a great storm right now, physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case may be. That's when God wants to do a great miracle in you. The key is that, God, I surrender and I submit to you. So, God, you take control, and I'll be the back seat, and not the back seat driver, but the back seat passenger. That, God, I'll let you take control of my situation, my storm of my life, because, God, you take something big, and you turn it into a miracle. How many are ready for your miracle? That's what God loves to do. He wants to do a miracle in your life. You listen to this. I love this. God shows himself in big problems. He shows himself in big problems. Can I ask you a question? What is your problem? What is your problem today? What is your situation? Is it bigger than your God? And if it is, then you forgot how big your God is. Your God is bigger than all your problems. Your God is bigger than your situation. I love what it says in Luke 18, verse 27. He said, what is impossible, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God can take your impossibilities and make them possible. And that's what God does. He takes the impossible and makes them possible. You see, listen, God is the problem solver and the memorial builder. God is the problem solver and the memorial builder. He takes your, your mess and builds a memorial out of maybe what you're going through in life. I love this. In verse 17, it says they stood on dry ground. I want you to picture this now. They stood on dry ground. And what that means is that priests in, in the Ark of the Covenant that went before the people God had them go out in the middle of the river, in the middle, not at the edge, not when they crossed over, but in the middle. In the deepest part of the river, in the deepest part of the pain, God said, I want you to gather the stones. But he did this on dry ground. You know what that's saying to me? In peaceful situations, that God stopped the chaos God, stop the nonsense. God, stop the problems in your life. And he says, listen, you're standing on solid ground. I'm going to give you peace that passes all understanding. I'm going to give you victories in your life that you can't even comprehend or fathom or imagine. But you just reach down and pick up that stone. And each stone that you pick up is a reminder of the memorials or the victories in your life. 
You see, what God wants us to do is to take our eyes off the problem and get our eyes on the problem solver and let him take your situation and turn your scars into stars and your stumbling blocks into stepping stones. That's what God desires. Listen, I love this. It says this. It was a reminder when it said on, on dry ground, it was a reminder that which was overcoming. How I many you know, you ever felt like you're overcome? Being overcome maybe right now, maybe by pressures and cares of this world even right now. But look what he says, has now been overcome. That which was overcoming them has now been overcome. God wants to come into your situation and overcome your situation. I love in, in John chapter 6, great story. I love to re read that because it's a reminder to me. And I believe that we sometimes as Christians or believers, we do this all the time. We all love God. We say we love God, and I believe we do love God until God wants to come into our situation. And in John chapter 6 is a great picture of a story where the disciples, where Jesus told the disciples to go across the other lake. Go across the lake, and I'll meet you across the lake. Just go ahead and roll across the lake, and I'll meet you there. But while they were in the middle of the lake, what does the Bible say in John 6? A storm arose. And when the storm arose, what happened? Their boat was almost subsided or capsided, right? And what happened? Jesus came out to greet them walking on the water. And what was their response? And this is just like us. Sometimes this is how we treat God. We treat God as a ghost. You say, what do you mean? Well, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, they were terrified. And what were the words that they said? They said, Jordan, it's a ghost. And isn't that sometimes what we do with God? We invite God into our situation, but when God wants to come into our situation, we put him at an arm's length and say, it's a ghost. But my sheep heareth my voice, and they follow after me. Is your ears heard, tuned to hear the Spirit of the Lord? Is your ears heard to hear the voice of the Lord? Are you putting God at an arm's length? And maybe wonder why your boat is sinking when you're saying, God, this is all the farther you go. Maybe because you've got some barriers, some hurts, some pain, some rejection, some things that you face in your life, and you say, God, that's as far as you go. But the key is this. When the disciples recognized and realized that it was Jesus when he said these words, it is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Can I ask you something? Why are you sometimes so afraid to let God into your circumstances? Because you're afraid that it might get out of control. And if I can't control it, then I can't let God take a hold of it because it has to be my way or the highway. And what happened was as soon as the disciples said, Jesus, come into my boat, come into my situation, come into my circumstance of life, and when Jesus entered their boat, your temple, your life, your circumstance, your problem, your issues, guess what? The waters became still. And guess what happened from there? They reached their destination. Jesus wants to come into your circumstance, but he doesn't want you to keep him at arm's length and think he's a ghost. He's a friend that sticks closer to you than a brother. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's not here to hurt you. He's here to help you. He's here to come into your situation and face his face into the wind and say enough is enough. 
into your storms, into your problems, into your issues of life. But are you keeping him at an arm's length? God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because what is fear? Fear is false evidence appearing real. But Jesus said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And the reason why he said a sound mind, to be able to make rightful decisions. And one of the decisions that God wants you to make is let him embrace you. Let him become part of who you are. But I love this. When you are on God's side, you are on the winning team. How many know that's true? If God is for you, who could be against you? But I love in Joshua 4, verses 4 through 7, watch what he says here. Look at what he says. He says this in two occasions in the same chapter. He says this, so Joshua called together the 12 men. He had appointed for the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them all, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Now watch this. Each of you to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel. You know what I love about that story? You notice what God says? The tribes. I love that because God is not a respecter of person. It doesn't matter what color, race, or creed that you are. God accepts every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or where you came from. God accepts you. I'll tell you this. Have you ever sang that song, he's got the whole world in your hands? Have you ever noticed he didn't say red or yellow, black and white? He didn't exclude the red. He didn't exclude the white. He didn't exclude the black. He accepted us all. Our God is not a God of race. Our God is not a God of color. Our God is a God who loves all. He loves us all. And he says the 12 tribes that represented 12 different races and tribes, you are all welcome into the kingdom of God. Isn't that a great feeling to know? So maybe you think of yourself, if I wasn't this ethnic group, if I wasn't that ethnic group, maybe I'd have a bitter or upper hand. I'm going to tell you something. Maybe man is not fair to us, but God is always fair. Somebody say amen, right? He's always fair. And he goes on to say, he said, go up before the Lord. He says, to serve as a sign among you. Now watch this, to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? A memorial. What are the things in your life? Memorials. The wedding day, that's a memorial. The great victories, that's a memorial. The day your son or your daughter was born, that's a memorial. The day you got promoted on your job, that's a memorial. The day you got all this blessings that came into your life, the day you were healed, that's a memorial. That's what he's saying here. What did he still mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It and when I crossed the Jordan, the water of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now watch what he says in the next one, verses 21 and 24. It says basically the same thing. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, when your descendants ask your parents, what does this mean? Mommy, how did you get through this? Dad, how did you get through this? Have you ever had your kids ask you those questions? Man, my brother and I were reminiscing about some things that, man, we went through as kids. And, man, we all say all the time, man, how did we make it? You ever felt like that? 
But look at you did. You have a memorial, a reminder. My father, my mother did this, they did that. They pulled us through. But then he goes on to say, tell them, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. When he dried it up before it, us until we had crossed over. He said this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So you have your notes there. What are some memorials God to us? What are God's memorials to us? Look at this. Number one, to show his faithfulness. God's memorial to you, number one, is to show his faithfulness. I love what Lamentations chapter 3 says. Early he says, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All that I have need of thy hand has provided. You ever wonder why David said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Is because David knew lamentations. David knew that God's faithfulness will provide throughout the day. Therefore, I can rejoice. I may not have nothing right now, but throughout this day, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. That's why David said, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it because God's faithfulness is always with me. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what are the memorials in your life? The faithfulness of God. I know that many of us can count the faithfulness of God, how he's never too late or never too early. He's always on time. He's an on-time God. Somebody say amen. How many remember the time when you felt like you were going under, but God came through just at the right time, and you were sweating, you were perspiring. You may have felt like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. When am I going to make my mortgage payment? When is this going to happen? And all of a sudden, God, who's an on-time God, showed his faithfulness to you. Somebody say amen. Right? Number two, so that we can remind others of his faithfulness. Why did Jesus say, or God say to Joshua and his descendants, so that you can tell, so you can tell, man, your descendants, your children, your family members, that this is what God did. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. You see, memorials sometimes in your life are not just for you. Jamie, they're not just for you. The memorial that you just had, you and your mom over your daughter, that's a memorial someday down the road that you're going to be able to share that victory, that win, that success. That is a memorial that someday you're going to share with her. And she's going to say, Daddy, you did all that for me? And you're going to be able to stand up like proud as a peacock, NBC, and say, yes. That was me. I did it for you. Why? Because I loved you, but God helped me through it. You see, they're not just for you. Sometimes we want to hoard all the memorials in our lives. No, they're there to remind us of the faithfulness of God and also to tell others. Another one is this, to give hope in the middle of the storm. The memorial, go ahead, Andrew. To give hope in the middle of the storm. That God, this memorial, maybe I'm in the storm right now, but God... This memorial, I hear these 12 stones of these 12 tribes. I'm going to revert back to them, and I'm going to find them. And, Lord, I'm going to see them. That was my ancestors. That was my grandma, my grandpa. That was my dad. That was my mom. That was my aunt, my uncle. God, that memorial there is a reminder, God, of your hope, of the faithfulness, even though that I may be feeling like I'm overcome. God, you're the overcomer, and this memorial has encouraged me to lift me up when I feel down, that God, I know that you did it before. You can do it again. 
And sometimes in your life, you got to revert back to some things in your life that God has done for you. I'll tell you, my daughter, when she was growing up, and Allie, just, I pick on Allie and Steve because, man, I love them, and we're going through marriage thing with them. But I pick on them. But when my daughter was planning to young, a young, young stage in her life, Janet, she started a hope chest. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? She started one of the hope chests when she was growing up, wanting to get ready and get prepared to get married and all this stuff. So she had all these little precious memorials, Barb, that she put in this hope chest. And when the day came for her to get married and so on, I'll never forget, I had the privilege of sitting with my daughter before she got married. And while she was getting married and that big day, she was pulling out these artifacts. And it was so cool. As she would pull these things out, each one of them that she pulled out of this hope chest had a meaning behind it. And as she began to share some of the meetings, I kept this because of this. And I saved that because of that. And this was given to me for, for this reason. And she had a story about every one of the things that she was pulling out of her hope chest. And every story that she was saying about every artifact or every article or everything she had, it either brought tears to her eyes or we started laughing. It was a memorial. It was a reminder of her big day for which she was getting married. And sometimes in your life, you got to go back to those things in your life, and you got to go back to those memorials as reminders that God, if you did it back then, you can do it now. Get your eyes off the negative stuff. That's why Paul says, I press on to the prize. I forget those things that are behind me, and I press on to the prize, straining towards what is ahead. You see, if you're always looking in the rearview mirror, you're only seeing and part of the picture. That's why God gave you a windshield and not a rear view mirror when you're driving because he wants you to see the big picture of your life. And so many times we're always looking backwards instead of ahead. And when you look backwards, it's not a chance to say, oh, poor pitiful me. Some of you love parties. You love partying. But you know what the party is? It's a pity party. And misery loves company. I know that, man, when I remember my God and how awesome and how great and how mighty he is, the angels in heaven are rejoicing with me and they're cheering me on. Yeah, man, you're right. Your God is good. Get, get up here with us and you'll find out how even better he is. You got to get your eyes on the memorials. You see, listen, the last one is this, to always fear and honor our God and his mighty acts. Not to be afraid of God. That's why Hebrews 4, verse 14, 15, and 16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us come boldly to the throne, to the throne of grace, to receive mercy and help in our time of need. God, I'm not going to come sheepishly. I'm not going to come with fear that, man, God, you're going to smite me. But I'm going to come with an awesome respect and awe and honor of you, knowing their greatness, that, God, I can come with confidence and assurance that, God, you're helped me in my time of need because you'd never let the righteous be forsaken nor the seed begging for bread, or you won't cast me aside as orphans, as you say in your word. But, God, you're come to me. As I close, what memorials has God done for you that maybe you forgot? What memorials has God done in your life that maybe you forgot? 
Like I said, when we went to Washington and we walked through Arlington Cemetery there and the Vietnam Wall and when I see the Abraham Lincoln land site there and all the things that there, you know, it brought back a lot of memories. But on every tombstone, there's a description of who those people were. And this past Mother's Day, my wife and I went to her mother's gravesite. And at first we couldn't find it because if you ever go to a, a, a cemetery, it's hard to find because all the tombstones look alike. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So finally we found the section, section 31. We're not going to forget that. Also, we know the row, row 18. But when we finally approached her mother's gravesite, my wife started getting emotionally charged. Because on the gravesite or her tombstone, it reads this, great mom, loved wife. Loved wife. I, yeah. You wrote it down. Look at that. She's even beloved wife, loved by all. And you know what? How true that is. It's a memorial, a memorial. Sometimes in your life, please hear your pastor. Those hear it on Facebook the same way. You got to go back to where you lost your effectiveness. You got to go back to remind you, Gail, of the good things in your life. Because this world is all messed up. And you can get caught up in this mess or I can be anchored on the truth or grounded in His Word and encouraged by the mementos or the monuments or the memorials in my life. Maybe it's time for you to go back and praise Him for all that He has done. Have you ever noticed, as Paul always says, rejoice in the Lord always? I love Psalms 146, 147, 148, 149, 150. You know why I love those Psalms? Because every one of them have to deal with praising Him. You know, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And God wants us to praise him because praising lifts you up out of the muck and mire of your life. And when you begin to praise him, you begin to see the memorials, the mementos in your life that really you don't have it so bad after all. And I want to encourage you this Memorial Weekend. Yes, we thank the veterans and all that came forward, Art and all the rest. Thank you for your sacrifices. But I think today you need to thank God for the memorials in your life and lift your head up and fly, eagle, fly. And let God use you. Will you stand with me today? God is so good. God is so good. Thank you for being here today and taking time out of your busy schedule. Karen, God bless you. And I had some other family this morning from the, my son's church and they were here today and they have a cabin up in Yellow River, Yellow River. And uh, they came and visited us the second, first service. And so they said, man, you look just like your son. No, my son looks like me. Amen. And I was CJ Sr., and he's junior. Let me remind you. Amen. To remind you. Let me, let me pray over you this morning. Amen. Father, I thank you for every individual here today. And, Lord, maybe they feel like they're being overcome. But, Father, we're overcomers through Christ Jesus because your word says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. 
Sometimes, Father, we forget about the mementos and the monuments and the memorials that are in our own life, God, that you have done such great things for us. And sometimes we take them for granted and we just blow by them because we're always looking for the next trick. We're looking for the next event. We're looking for the next excitement. And we don't take time to just praise you and thank you for all what you're doing in our lives. And we get caught up with the busyness of life. And we like sometimes dogs chasing our tails and we wonder why we're exhausted and tired and fatigued and wore out. It's because we don't take time to praise we don't take time to thank you. We don't take time to reflect on the goodness of you and the memorials that you've done in our lives from the day of our son being born to our day of wedding and all these different things. And I pray that, God, that you will bless each person. Bless them when they're with their family and friends throughout this week. And, Lord, go with us now and may your spirit ever be upon us. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. God bless you today. God bless you. Walk in the memorials that God has for you. Have a great holiday. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.